Hello and welcome to the Telehealth OT podcast where occupational therapists, parents, caregivers, and patients share their telehealth stories. My name is Dr. Reina Oliveira and I am the owner of Telehealth OT Services where we specialize in working with children with autism and also provide education and trainings to occupational therapists about telehealth. I have been able to share my story with the world and now I am extremely happy to give others the opportunity to do the same. Hello, everyone. This week, we have Amy Ridge Crane with us today, and I'm excited to talk to you because we have a telehealth mentor in common, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but welcome to the show, and we'll start right off with the same question I ask everyone. What is your OT story? How did you first learn about occupational therapy? All right, great. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, you were a super helpful resource when getting back into teletherapy practice. Um, so I'm really excited to be here today, but my OT story, as we were talking about before, it is definitely not a linear trajectory. It goes all over the place. Um, I think a lot of it starts in childhood. I had a few traumatic events happen that kind of shaped my life and the biggest one being my father's suicide. And after that happened, I knew I wanted to go to college, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm. I was kind of without direction and just thought I'll go with it. I'll see what I can do, you know? And, um, I was definitely a rough and tumble kid my whole life. I desperately needed OT myself and, uh, never, never found that in a small town. But um, in college, I started with an undergraduate in speech communication with a minor in business administration. And then I had three internships my last year. One was um, through the Youth youth Advocate Program for high-risk children in upstate New York. And that was my first real interaction with children and children that were going through a lot of traumatic issues and, and stressful events. And that's when I realized, okay, I want to work with kids. Hmm. I still didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew children was where it was at. And I loved working with kids that had, you know, a harder background. They're dealing with bigger struggles and challenges. And I felt really drawn to that. So after graduation, I, um, I joined a company to do outdoor therapeutic recreation So we followed the boys town model and had these boys cutting down trees and building their own huts to live in and building campfires to cook their own meals and, you know, really cool stuff. Most of the children in my program had special needs. Um, Cognitively, they were higher functioning and they were already um, second time offenders in the juvenile delinquent system. So this was the the last effort that the judge had found. Um, And I loved that. So I decided to go to graduate school for special education. And I I figured I wanted to do that. And I was substitute teaching in a lot of classrooms. I loved the crisis support room. And I kept getting called back to substitute teach there while I was getting my degree. And I, um, I saw an OT come into the classroom. And then I was like, nope, that's it. I got to stop going to school for this. This is where it's at. 
like everything made sense at that yeah. point. And I was like, I, I couldn't stop researching. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Like that is incredibly fun. It has such an effect on the children. Right. And when I researched more, I just saw how holistic OT can be. Mm-hmm. I love that. So you have a really good background though, because like the special ed stuff lines up so well with like, you know, what we need to understand, especially in the schools. Yeah, it, it was definitely very helpful. Wow. So do you think that your father's suicide like impacted, you know, your being drawn to like the trauma, the kids that have experienced trauma? For sure. 100%. And So I spent the beginning of my career um, really working in social emotional regulation and Mm. sensory processing um, and then feeding. And then I fell in love with vision. So I I found a lot of different (laughs) niches that I love too. And then I finally, I finally said to myself, okay, I'm really ready to dig into trauma itself. You know, I, I don't think I was ready before just from a personal note, like I was working with a lot of kids that had trauma, there wasn't as much information out about it in OT's role. Now there's so much out. And I feel like I'm just at a different level in my life. Like I'm more mature, you know, I have a family, I'm raising my own kid. And um, I've seen enough in the field that I, I felt ready to tackle this and do all the research and read all the books, you know, that they recommend. And definitely some stuff for myself came up in the process. But I feel like it's helped me so much with that therapeutic relationship with children to just understand how hard a day can just be, you know, for no reason or for a reason. And then to really just figure out what support they need in that moment, that's really going to help them long-term to be a functional uh, coping tool or regulation tool for them and their family to use to help them. Yeah, I think you're you're definitely like onto it because it helps to have like that story to relate to them. And I always remember like my kiddos that I worked with, their parents would say like, do you have any kids? And I never really understood like the relevance until I had my own kids. And I'm like, okay, yeah, now that I'm like in it, that I've lived the same thing that they're living through, it's a totally different experience for them and for me and what I can provide for them. For sure. I felt, I felt kind of left out, you know, before I had kids and they'd ask like, well, what are your kids? Like, you're so good with kids. I'm like, well, I don't have kids yet, you know? And it felt like a club that I wasn't in yet. And, you know, it happened eventually. And then I fell in love and you learn everything all over again, how to do your job as a mom too, how to balance everything on five hours of sleep and you know my expectations as an OT for these parents like went way down like after I had my own kids I was like do what every diaper change like that's not realistic exactly (laughs) and that's the thing is I feel like when you're younger you can read the research and you know what works and I I feel like when I was a younger practitioner I did get frustrated with the parents that wouldn't commit as Mm -hmm. much as I I would have liked them to, to their child. Cause I felt like it could have helped so much. And then after being a parent, you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Like, I get a huge piece of it. And we need to meet not only the child where they're at, but meet the parent where they're at too. Exactly. That's so important. And I think that segues like well into the school-based like OT and 
traditionally what it is, we'll talk about that and what your experience has been and like how COVID changed everything and how telehealth looks like now in like a school setting. So share with everyone um, how you first learned about telehealth and how, you know, what was your first experience? So telehealth for me, I was already working full time in the outpatient setting, which is where I've worked my entire career has been outpatient. So then I got this opportunity to cover a maternity leave on Fridays. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I'd like to do it. And I, and I figured out that it was in um, a school setting afterwards. And I was like, okay, it's a new way to do therapy and it's a new place you know, to a new setting. All right. I love opportunities to learn and challenges. And, um, that's when I met Tracy Davis. Well, I didn't meet her in person, but virtually, you know, (laughs) and, um, she was able to train me in telehealth therapy. And she taught me a lot of, you know, what she has courses out on it now. And Mm -hmm. she's got, um, a lot of, fun videos online about how to do it, which were very, very helpful because I feel like in teletherapy, when you don't know what it is, just not knowing what a session's like, just not seeing it or doing it, it it feels very scary at first. Mm -hmm. I feel OTs are very hands-on. We're very get in there, help them jump in. And when you feel like you have to rely just on your words or you know, you're not sure what the para support is going to be like, or the parent and caregiver um, support in the home setting. It's kind of scary to think, well, how am I going to do this with this population that I know pretty well? And then what kind of activities should I do? And how do I learn technology? And I feel like that school-based experience was really, really helpful for me long before COVID. And it helped teach me that I could do a lot of the same things I was doing in the clinic via teletherapy with the kids. You just have to be really good at explaining what you want them to do. And it may take a few times and you get more comfortable as you go. And then just really using your resources, whatever adult you have there to help you help the child. And then you've got another person on your team there in the school able to carry out those strategies, those recommendations or whatever across the, the different classrooms for that child. So that's, that's really helpful too. Yeah, exactly. And so just to circle back for everyone who's listening, Tracy Davis is actually my like telehealth guru. I absolutely love her. When I was going to my, through my, um, post-professional doctorate, I was, just a student looking for an opportunity to observe telehealth and no one would let me like I had literally had one person tell me that I could only watch if I signed a contract with them to develop their OT telehealth program like after school and I was like I don't even know at the time I didn't even know I wanted to start a business and she was the only OT after dozens of phone calls that let me observe her sessions and I learned so so much so i'm super grateful for her i love her take on how to do sessions and a lot of it is what you said it's like we can do a lot of the same things but in a different way so let's talk about how like i don't so that's the one school settings is the one setting that i probably haven't been in i mean maybe there's others but um, everyone thinks like, oh, you know, you don't, 
I've had people tell me like, have you worked in schools? Because like what you're saying just doesn't really make sense. So, you know, clue me in on what are the challenges of doing telehealth in the school? Yeah, no problem. So um, I actually have a, a school contract right now too. So I'm still doing telehealth in the school through my outpatient. We have a contract through a local school district. And then I had that previous experience too. And I've learned so much through both of them. So it's two different schools, you know, within an hour and a half of each other in the same state, but they do things very differently. Just like, you know, every school would do things differently and the level of support is different too. So pre-COVID, um, it was very, very new, very unheard of. And there wasn't this chaos going on that really really hurried the process of let's get in, let's try it, let's do it, let's help these kids any way we can. It was more, okay, we've got a need, somebody's out on maternity leave and, or a position that you can't fill in a rural area were some of the other ones um, that Tracy had helped fill. So basically the first, um, the first school district that I worked in the special educator, the director of special education sat in every single session with us. I think she was a little skeptical, um, <laughs> you know, teletherapy in general. And she was like, I don't know about this. And it was a little intimidating at first, especially since it was my first school experience. But I also had a lot of communication via email with the paras, the paraprofessionals and the resource teacher. And they were super helpful every week. Like, what can we print out for you? What other materials do you want? Do you want us to ask her for different things? We love what you're doing with the kids. We haven't seen stuff like this. Can you teach us more about why you're doing that? You know, and I love doing an approach where you're always moving first before right. you're sitting down to the table, you know, activate all those proximal muscles, get the, the neurochemicals flowing in the brain, feel regulated. Um, and no child wants to sit all day, you know? Right. So just really getting those parts of OT in general out for pediatrics and then sitting down and doing, doing the hard work. So for some kids, depending on what they needed and what testing they had, I was able to do like case file reviews on the their case managers would send me, you know, their IEPs and all the testing and all the commentary that had happened. And sometimes even like parent report outside of the IEP. So that was helpful to, to know what they wanted them to work on. Um, and one kid I actually did work, he had an out of school placement prior to COVID too. And so I was working with the family, even though it was through the school district and he was getting um, courses online. Um, rather than through the school. So I got to see like a variety of different ways to do, do the work, you know, whether it was in the home with the parents, with the para, with the resource teacher. But as long as you're really good at communicating what you need based on what they have, then you can figure out a plan, tailor it to the child's needs if they need to work on visual motor integration or if they need to work on, um, you know, their letter formation or writing, writing for longer periods of time. Like we were able to do all that. I would say the trickiest thing was, was I, in the school, in the first school system, we had several groups set up and they were set up based on convenience of time. 
and the children that were put in the group were not very appropriate to be mm. grouped together. Um, but that's the only way the school could manage their schedule. And so I would just request that there was an additional para there, you know, so that they were both in the same grade. They were technically the same age, but they were functioning at very different levels mm. and working on very different skills. So when they were all working on similar skills, it was a lot easier. Um, so there were definitely some challenges, but the school was very flexible. And then the school district I'm working in right now, they are super flexible. Like they've let me write letters of medical necessity to get tons of equipment for this girl that has um, low vision issues. Mm -hmm. And her family is super supportive. She has a para support at home with her oh, wow. um, throughout all of COVID. And we've had several Zoom meetings as a team for her IEP. She just had her triannual. Um, so we had to do that and, you know, look at testing, look at different things to see where she's at. And I was coming on to another OT's um, plan of care and then revising that, really working with the school. It's interesting because I've worked with this girl in outpatient for a lot longer than I had through her school contract. So I'm her OT in the school mm. virtually and mm. through outpatient virtually. So I see her three times a week, oh, which wow. I love. Yeah. And I love the family. They're super supportive and they will, they'll do anything for her, you know? And so I just, you know, really explain what I'm doing, why I'm doing, check in with them throughout the whole process and say, you know, does that make sense? Is that something you still want to work on and really celebrate all the little victories with her and with the family? I love that. Communication is so important, especially in telehealth. And I feel like you're also saying that you're like advocating for your students as well too, which is something that was trying to like drive home in the very beginning when people are transitioning from school you know, school treatment to home-based telehealth, essentially, that like everyone needed to advocate for that support because without it, it's really hard. Like it's really hard to expect a kid to sit in front of the computer for a half an hour or 30 minutes and then run these groups as well if you don't have the appropriate support. For sure, for sure. And I feel like, you know, virtual therapy, I've had a lot of friends that work in the school systems and I've felt really grateful because I have my set number of limited children that mm -hmm. I was working with on Friday and my one girl that I'm seeing in the school district right now. And the, the school does give adequate support for how much time I need, you know, to write plans of cares or the IEP and for any other type of development. I, I am getting paid for all of that extra work that I'm putting in and not being expected to see an incredibly high caseload. So that's been really beneficial too, especially with virtual because virtual has not been, you know, it did not come so easy to me. I feel like I love challenges and I wanted to jump in, but still there's like a learning curve when you're, when you're coming to it later in life. Um, but I feel like with a really positive attitude and looking at every challenge as an opportunity, you know, and that's what we are as OTs, we're professional problem solvers, you know, that's mm -hmm. what we do and that's what we're good at. And if you just go into it with that mentality, you can do anything. It's you know? so true. It's so true. So I like to put people in categories as far as like their 
intervention style in telehealth? Like, what is your style, would you say? Like, a lot of people rely on doing um, online activities. A lot of people, like, have the same supplies that they want their child to have and kind of do the activity along with them. Some just do more movement-based stuff. So what kind of treatments do you, or your go-to? Oh, my goodness. So if you asked my you know, my colleagues, what my style was like, they would say wild and loud. So they would say, we always know when Amy has a teletherapy session because she's putting on a show. So I like to just engage them. I don't want them just sitting in front of a screen and, you know, just the same old, same old. So usually, like I said, we start with movement. So last night during my teletherapy, we, I asked mom, you know, what this girl's favorite song was because she wasn't able to answer favorite song together like she knows music but so she said trolls want to have fun or something so I was like okay so we played freeze dance with trolls want to have fun while doing animal movements so I'm like okay now we're dancing like a frog so we're hopping all over and you know the whole room is just like bouncing and you know and the music's going loud and everybody when they walk by the door they just laugh you know they're like okay she's having fun in there and so I love music and movement in my sessions. I've done so many, like the cha-cha slide. It's yeah. like, I mean, I've had them doing like TikTok videos to work on yes. right, left, and, you know, <laughs> we're crossing midline. Yeah, let's go. I'm like, we're not going to worry about the lyrics or song, you know, and the parents are just laughing or the teachers, you know, so we just turn on whatever video that we can you know, work on crossing midline, following directions, getting our body moving and having fun, or we'll do it with animal walks. And then I sit down and I like to do stuff um, at the table. I usually do bilateral coordination, hand strengthening. We're using Play-Doh. We're making different forms. We're using different tools in the Play-Doh. We're stringing blocks. We are... um, stacking coins we're doing something with the coins you know different things every time i like to do step-by-step drawings so we're working on all those visual motor integration and spatial skills as well as listening and you know so a lot of my kids have visual issues so i'll work on the accommodations and the setup i always talk to parents about posture and getting them in the right setup first like if we're going to do some work prone on our belly, that's great, but I don't want to spend our whole session down there if right. a big part of it is fine motor and we're looking at incre- increasing legibility or something like that. So we talk about where to do our activities, um, a lot of different tools. So we'll use, we'll play card games, we'll play board games, whatever they have at home. We'll play with balloons or balls. I love obstacle courses. We'll yes, do obstacle courses too. all the time. <laughs> I'm all know? about them too. And then they they have the tools at home to use, you know, like, okay, I saw that your body loved crashing on that pillow. So next time you get really mad at your sister because you've been playing together all day, yeah. go crash on that pillow, you yes, know? Yes. So um, just working on all those skills through whatever... Um, materials the family has at home. So I'll usually send out like a materials inventory Mm -hmm. of like, these are all the tools that we could have a lot of fun with. I don't want you to go out and buy anything. Just let me know what you have. So that way we can know what to have ready. So a lot of my families make like their own little toolbox. 
And then they'll get really excited. They'll be like, guess what? We got paper plates or <laughs> we got clothespins. And I'm like, yes, I love clothespins. Like, <laughs> so. I love that. That's such a good idea to have the inventory like out to them and ready to go, have them set up their own box. A lot of key things to do in the very beginning to have like a successful session. Yeah. Oh, sounds so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like missing treating now. Like I'm not treating right now and now I'm like missing it because I'm <laughs> the same. Like we got to get moving. Like let's do some jumping jacks. Let's do like whatever. Like I love all that. So you had how many years in the schools? In the school of teletherapy, I did one school year back in 2017. And then we started in 2020 and I'm still doing that contract right now. So okay. it's still set to go through um, June. And then they said they didn't know if we were going to do summer or if they were going to have an OT back um, on premise by summer. So then you had messaged me like, you know, a little bit ago saying you transitioned into a new role. So tell us about your new role. Yeah. So last year, a week before the pandemic, oh my goodness, I started a new job as the clinical coordinator at a nonprofit outpatient center. So I was really excited, you know, to jump into this new role. And I'm a very detail oriented person. You know, I, I feel like leadership is, you know, a passion of mine, something that I was called to do ever since I was a kid. I've always been the captain of everything, you know, like I just love, I'm also the firstborn child. I might be bossy, but, um, <laughs> I me too. Feel Don't like, feel bad. Me too. You know, it's, in, it's empowering to not control people and not be bossy besides your little brother, but to, <laughs> to be able to inspire people yeah. to want to do better. That's what I love, you know? Yeah. So I was really excited about this opportunity. I love, you know, the executive director. She's an amazing woman. She's been a physical therapist for a really long time. And most of her career was in early intervention to start. And so her practice, our, our nonprofit facility is all about family-centered care. It is 110% family-centered. Like we want those parents in there every session and telling us what's working, what's not working, checking in with them. And then we're also very mindful that if they, you know, if they need a day off, go, you know, go run right. your errands, go do what you need to do. Cause that's what you need today. And that's going to help you be a better parent to them when they get home. But we can't do all this work on our own. Like we're not a magic fix for your right. child. You know, your child um, spends most of their time with you. And, and though you might not always get along, they respect you. They love you. You know, they, you're their role model and they take everything from you. We're all about attachment in that relationship-based model. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was sold. I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, I'd been looking for a leadership opportunity in the area and it hadn't come up for a while. So it's like, okay, this is great. And a weekend I was doing all my like onboarding training, you know, HIPAA, OSHA, getting my, my login, all that. And then by the end of the, my first week, they were like, okay, this virus is getting pretty bad. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, okay. And the next week, you know, half of the employees, um, had chosen to go on unemployment and half of us were like, we don't know what's the right answer, you right. know? So 
We were still doing some in-clinic visits at that point because we're technically a healthcare facility. We are allowed to stay open, but a lot of the parents were stressed and nervous and it was a very chaotic and scary time. And it still is right now, but that initial shock was, it just shook everybody, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, So basically I said, I've had this experience in telehealth. I would love to develop a program. Let's get started with it. And they were like, what? No. You know, so at first they're like, that that will not work. Like we can't do that. You know, I'm like, please just let me like put something together for you real quick. I'm like, I'll reach out to people and insurance companies still hadn't come forward and said, we'll pay for anything like that. So an outpatient, you know, with all these contracts we already had set up, we were like, well, how do we know we'll get reimbursed either? You know? So I put together a whole little, you know, planning board for my boss and and gave her the whole rundown and everything. And she said, okay, let's do it. You know, so I reached out to some people in the area. Um, I know you interviewed Kristen Goodrich too. Yes. Yeah. Love her. She is like five minutes from me here at my house. Oh my gosh. So So you live uh, in New Hampshire now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in New Hampshire. I didn't know. Yeah. So, um, she's like five minutes from here. So I reached out to her and I was like, have you heard anything from insurance yet? And she's like, no, but if I do, I'll let you know. And I said, okay, same. So we were looking every day to see, and we just went ahead with it. I got all of my staff trained in it. We got a program going. I did trainings for them. I sent them videos. I was on the phone with Tracy. I was like, Tracy, what do I need to do? She's like, you already know what to do. Just do what you know. Like (laughs) you're good. All the reports, like that special education director was like, Amy's amazing. I was like, Thank you. Like, I didn't know that I didn't get a lot of feedback throughout the whole process. And here she is looking at me the whole time. And I'm like, I hope this is what they want. You know, like, this is my first time. I don't know. And so, you know, that was really motivating. And it built up my confidence in this new area of practice, you know, so I got everybody trained. I showed them a couple of the how to videos. And We just got started, you know, and our clinic did end up closing its doors Mm -hmm. for, I think it was six weeks. I want to say five or six weeks. And um, over an eight week period, we still saw over a thousand kids on teletherapy. Wow. So a thousand visits, I should say. Some of them were the same same child, obviously, and did 12 new evaluations. So. We got 12 new kids in the door during COVID too. So that was really exciting. And after that, I think I built a little trust in there because who would have trust in a brand new employee anyways? I'm like, let's try this new thing. Nobody knows anything about here. You know, like other, other people had been doing virtual, but it wasn't really common practice in our area. Yeah. So it really so worked funny because we talk about like in entrepreneurship, how like employers don't want you to walk in and like change something. So like it's the same thing you're talking about, like in leadership, like if you're a leader, natural born leader, you go into a place like of a new employment and you're like, well, this could be better. That could be better. And usually they're like, no, like we're fine. We don't want any change. Yeah. So you're lucky that they gave you that opportunity and let you shine. So that's amazing. Hi, everyone. Please excuse the interruption, but this is the perfect time to tell you about my small group coaching program. If your employer is not as amazing as Amy's and you've had enough working for someone else and you're ready to start your telehealth private practice, 
Click the link in the show notes below to apply for the Business to Boss program. In this program, I'm helping occupational therapists start and grow their telehealth practices. We meet weekly to help you with your next step and hold you accountable every step of the way. Please do not invest in a business program if you are not ready to take action. It's truly been amazing to watch the OTs in my group grow and flourish through the program. And so now I'm opening five more spots. Again, click the link in the show notes below to apply. And now back to the show. I know. I'm super grateful for the staff that we have there. We have an amazing staff. We have 24 people there and every single one of them I love working with. You know, they're amazing. They are so dedicated to the whole family and utilizing all the resources that we have in our community. And we're just nonstop emailing everybody like, Hey, I found this new resource that the Y is doing, you know, virtual um, school assistance for parents that need to work. And you can send your kid to the Y for a discounted price, you know. So we're always sharing or like this is a new developmental optometrist that my, my family had a really great experience with. We're always sharing stuff like that to help the children and families and to help develop the team because we're all so dedicated to the mission of family-centered care, you know, and it, it really is inspiring to work with people. You know, we have brand new grads all the way up to over 35 years of experience. Wow. And just to see everybody's own path and their own passions and their own um, contributions, it's awesome. And it really feels like a team. So I love it. And I'm so glad that they gave me the opportunity and they weren't like, no, no new girl. You'd be fine <laughs> <crazy>. over there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. That, oh, that's great. That's, that's like music to my ears. Cause I, I've definitely had the feeling of wanting to implement something and not being able to. So I'm happy that you got the opportunity to, um, and from talking to Kristen, New Hampshire seems to be very telehealth forward. So she was saying that like insurances are, have approved telehealth, um, yeah, like the, without governor, a limit. the governor wrote a bill in, in enactment enacted. And, um, so it, it made sure that all insurance companies would reimburse at the full price That's because amazing. we started to get those, you know, those notices in from the insurance companies that would said, yeah, we will pay for teletherapy during the COVID-19 pandemic, or we'll pay for it through this date. But it never said we'll pay full, you know, what you're, what you're used to. So there was a lot of talk about, well, is it going to be, you know, a third of the price that they, they normally pay and that we really wouldn't be able to afford um, to do, to be able to keep people at full-time rates, you know, Mm -hmm. on salary. And it's, it's just been really, really great how all the pieces fell into place. And I really can't say enough about how amazing the therapy and teacher world is that everybody learned this new method and everybody not everybody, but so many people put out videos and tutorials and started blogs in Facebook pages and Pinterest and groups. Like I'm in so many groups now too, like your group, which is wonderful, you know, and you just learn so much in each group, even if it's from a teacher, I learn a lot, you know, and I I joined one of the teacher groups too, because they're doing like amazing things. They all had to 
adapt to this as well, like virtual teaching and have been so creative in the process. It's been awesome. They have, and see. they have like their own little virtual classrooms with bit, bit emoji people. I'm like, I want yeah. a bit emoji. <laughs> I need to watch that two hour tu tutorial on how to do that. <laughs> I totally figured out how to do that and put it in my training because like I had to, I was like, these bit emoji things are so cool. Like I want one too. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I got to watch that one. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's fun. Button. And then you can use it in your text messages too. So it's not just like in the therapy world. <laughs> oh, that's great. Like, I know I have one on Facebook, but I was like, how, how do you do that in Google? In or Google. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. It's a Chrome extension. It's, you can figure it out. It's pretty easy. Gotcha. Um, so where is the clinic now? Like, are you all still virtual? Give us the update. So right now, um, we have really strict COVID rules, you know, still in place, just like most of the doctor's offices do. Like you can't travel outside of the area within 14 days. Um, no cough, fever, runny nose, you know, any of the symptoms, which in our population is every other week, you know, yeah. it's been a lot better now, um, because of COVID and the increased use of hand sanitizer and masks and all of that, but kids still just get sick, you know? Right. So for staff and for families, nobody's allowed to come in if that's the case. And so we always offer teletherapy to them um, if they're appropriate. 95% of our kids can do teletherapy. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they might need to be short in sessions because yeah. a lot of our sessions are 45 minutes to an hour. Um, but sometimes even just a 15 minute check-in with the family can still do so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially with those little, little ones that can't really, you know, two, three-year-olds that aren't really going to sit in front of the screen because we do need to do mostly like the direct care. There is a certain level and amount of parent coaching that goes into everything, but we can't do simply a coaching model. The child has to be present, you know, the whole time for our insurance companies. So because of all of that and, and the restrictions, like I said, children getting sick or, you know, even some of our staff, um, have exposures through friends that are nurses or, or in their, you know, typical environment. And we'll offer the staff, you know, to work from home to do teletherapy so that they can still see their kids or we'll offer the kids to do teletherapy. And I would say about 30 to 40% of our visits, um, any given week right now is still teletherapy because of any, any one of those reasons. And especially around the holidays when there was mm -hmm. more travel, we had a big um, increase and in uptake in um, in the teletherapy visits and like weather too, like snow days. Yeah, so clothes. we just had this yeah. huge nor'easter on my birthday actually, oh. and uh, <laughs> I had the day off though. I had already taken it off, so I was like, <laughs> okay. And we built snowmen and went sledding outside. It was awesome, but um, but yeah, we were still able to see a good handful of kids that otherwise we wouldn't have been able to see. You know, we would have tried to reschedule into an already tight schedule because we try to reschedule it as best we can. We try to keep it always with the same therapist as much as possible for continuity of care. Um, but a lot of times the parent's schedule too and the child's schedule comes into play if they're an afternoon kid and we only have morning appointments during school. The parents don't want to bring them out, especially if they're only doing two days in school and three days virtually right now. Right. Um, they don't want to pull them out of an in-person day because 
kids need this social connection right now. You know, it's so huge, their social emotional development. Um, so it's, it's a balancing act in outpatient world, right? But teletherapy has been a, a huge blessing to us and it has helped keep the clinic afloat. We also got six grants during that time, during that wow. um, eight week period that we saw like a thousand kids. And after that, we got even more grants. Um, so we've been very lucky and That's wonderful um, with hard work. It, it was a, not luck. It was a lot of hard work. You know, my boss put in for a lot of grants. And then we all learned this new, um, this new way of, of doing therapy. And like I said, a lot of my therapists, myself included, we said that first week of teletherapy, we worked longer hours and did more while seeing less kids than we had in a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like all of a sudden you're a new grad and you're mm -hmm. like, what, what do I do? How do I do it? Oh, well that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, as you build up your confidence, then your, your critical thinking skills can just shift over and they can generalize and transfer, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, I can, you know, now we get kids that are like, they'll call last minute and they'll be like, did I tell you we were going to do teletherapy today? And you've got your plan, you know, for in clinic, you're doing swings and whatever water play and you're like, no, but I'll just change that in my head right now between four kids and, you yeah, know. because planning sessions never worked in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> That's what so, I learned in my field work. I don't know about you, but right. we just planned to show that we knew what we were talking about and then it never <laughs> worked. So you got to just roll with it. That's true. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your wonderful experience. I love hearing and connecting, you know, with other OTs. And I love that you're able to just like kickstart a program. I think more people can definitely step into this role now to, if a clinic doesn't have it developed to help, you know, like you said, take a leadership position and, and implement it because this is the future, right? Yeah, for sure. And even for clinics, you know, that still haven't put it into place. I feel like it's still an option yeah. for, you know, when just when hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. When there's, um, when there's snow days, when there's bad weather, when exactly. the sibling is sick, when whatever's going on and the parent can't make it in, you know, or the school district, if they can't find coverage, um, in their area, then they can find a virtual OT. There you go. All right, Amy, thank you so much. It's been great getting to know you and listen, keep in touch. Don't be a stranger. You know where to find me. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything that you've shared. It's been a pleasure laughing with you here today. So. Yes. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. therapist and you want to know more about telehealth be sure to join the telehealth ot facebook group for more information i'll catch you on the next episode